Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Good Shabbos, dear colleagues. Good Shabbos, dear friends who are Hello, tuning Shabbat in. Shalom. Let <laughs> us thank God for the gift of learning Torah together. And then, do we have a treat in store today? So this class, I think, is going to be just so very interesting. Here's the basic idea that powers this class. It's an insight that I first heard last summer in July or August from Micha Goodman in his lectures on Deuteronomy. And he said something that just I've held on to ever since. And I was looking for a Talmudic story that operationalized this principle. He talks about the power of subtlety. Subtlety. Uh, when you don't hit somebody over the head with your seven-point plan or your nine-point plan or your 11-point plan. And Micha says that often Judaism's deepest truths are in silence, in absence, in something that's unsaid. And his example, which I shared, I'll repeat, uh, if you didn't read the, the Talmud teaser, he talks about how there's a festival for getting out of Egypt, Pesach, and there's a festival for getting the Torah, Shavuot, and there's a festival for wandering in the wilderness, Sukkot, and you would think there should be a fourth festival for getting into the land of Israel, crossing the River Jordan, settling the land in fulfillment of the promises to Abraham. And there isn't. And it's the missing festival. Why isn't that there? And there's so much meaning about that. And that it invites the reader in. It invites the person who is receiving the conversation in what's going on. And it's the power of the unspoken. So what we have for you today, uh, I've been searching for a story that, where that principle, the power of the unspoken, drives a story, and we have it here. What we have here is a story of a relationship. Uh, it's, a, it's a love story. Clearly, this is a relationship between two men, Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. Uh, rabbi Yochanan is a, is, is a seasoned rabbi. He's the mentor. Reish Lakish was a criminal, a highwayman. Um, and somehow uh, becomes a disciple of Rabbi Yochanan. Uh, are they just student-teacher, or is there more going on? Um, that will be uh, for us to discuss. Um, but I do think that the main thing that drives this is what is not said. Uh, every, all the main stuff happens underneath the surface of the story. So without further ado, we'll just... Um, uh, Elisa, will you start reading with uh, one day Rabbi Yochanan was swimming in the Jordan River? Sure. One day, Rabbi Yochanan was swimming in the Jordan River. Reish Lakish, who was then a highwayman, saw him and jumped into the Jordan after him. Rabbi Yochanan beheld this display of vitality and said to him, Your strength belongs to Torah. Reish Lakish said to him, Your beauty belongs to women. Rabbi Yochanan said to him, if you will repent your ways, I will give you my sister in marriage, who is more beautiful than I. Reish Lakish accepted this upon himself. Okay, so let's pause so far. First vignette. Right, Rabbi Yochanan is swimming. Uh, Reish Lakish jumps in. 
Rabbi Yochanan says to him, wow, you're strong, belongs to the Torah. And Rish Lakish says, wow, you're beautiful. Um, and, Rish, and Rabbi Yochanan says, you know what, have I got a sister for you. Um, you give your life to Torah, and my sister will be yours. Okay, and Rish Lakish says, yes. Okay, uh, just pause on that, because then there's something that is very much uh, an enigmatic key to the story, which happens next. Keep going, Eliza. Uh, Rish Lakish then wanted to return to retrieve his clothes, but was unable to muster the strength to do so. Rabbi Yochanan afterwards taught him scripture and Mishnah and made him into a great man. Okay. So they have this encounter in the, in the water. Then there's some enigmatic thing where Reish Lakish tries to get his clothes. He doesn't have his strength to get his clothes. We'll have to talk about what that means. And then afterwards, they have a session uh, where Rabbi Yochanan teaches him Torah. That's end of Act 1. Okay, uh, looking for, and throughout this, we will talk about what the traditional kind of modern orthodox perspective is based on the edition of the Talmud that we're reading, a Schottenstein, which is a modern orthodox uh, posture. And we'll look at the footnotes uh, to see what they say and what, what we think. So anyone want to hazard an interpretation of what is going on? With Rabbi Yochanan and Rachel Kish, Lord well, Dan Nathan. Well, well I mean, first of all, there's weird stuff going on right from, from the beginning, um, where you know, where uh, a highway a highwayman, a thief, just happens to jump into the river. Why would he do that? Um, unless he had you know something dire in mind, like for instance, you know, hurting this guy in the river and stealing whatever he has. So that's that's odd right from the beginning, um, and then you know, then then the also the uh, the response is you know, wow, you're strong, and then. Then Rish Lakish's response is just so bizarre, right? He says, your beauty belongs to women. It's just such an odd response, especially when you look at if the person has a reputation of being this highwayman, which, which I'm assuming is a ruffian, a person that doesn't have a, you know, good, uh, a good reputation, it's a, very, it's a very odd thing for him to say. So that's already, there's already an underlying idea that there's something strange going on right from the beginning. Right. Um, you know, and then, I mean, then the next thing, you know, the, the, as you said, the, the point that that um, that's not said. In other words, why Resh Lakish doesn't have the strength? Uh, in no, the, why? Yeah, Resh Lakish, right? It, it doesn't have the strength to go to go and even retrieve his clothes. Obviously, there was some kind of activity that happened. Um, you know, uh, that that tired him out. Um, right. Right. So you know, I don't now, know. I don't, I don't. I don't know some what activity. that. Some so activity. So let's talk about the <laughs> yeah. let's talk about the activity that yeah. tired him out mm -hmm. because I just want to read mm -hmm. the footnote from number 18, uh, and I'm going to ask if you find this uh, compelling and, and plausible. Well, you have to read 17. I'm sorry. Uh, so, okay, so why does Reish Lakish jump in after Rabbi Yochanan? 17, he, must, he mistook him for a woman since he had no beard. Okay, that, okay. And go. then 18, the Torah tends to weaken the physical strength of its students. Here, even though Reish Lakish had not yet begun his studies, he had nevertheless accepted the yoke of Torah upon himself, this alone made him incapable of leaping as he had done before. Now, Dan, do you find that that is what's going on, that he's weakened because he accepts Omachut Shemaim, the yoke of heaven? Is that what's going on? And if not, what is going on? Well, so I, I, I find that, I don't find that 
compelling logically. I, I do find I understand where where the commentary is coming from. You know, the idea that that when you when you come, you know, we, when you come close to Torah, it can be um, it can be dangerous. You know, we have Nadav and Avihu, right? We have right. this thing that the, the idea that when whenever you whenever you touch the Torah, whenever you um, you know that, that there's an idea like do Hagman Galila that immediately you're supposed to say Yashir Koach so that your strength will return. So I can I can I can kind of already feel that that that, that very traditional perspective being right. layered onto this. That is the um, reason you are called Lord. <laughs> so uh, okay, so colleagues, what is going on here? But it sounds like you don't find that entirely compelling. No, 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 okay. I don't. I, I just, so, I find, I find it, just, you know, something they they're layer layering on top of something that's clearly not that. Right. Um, you know that that's right. my, my. So opinion. what what did happen? What is going on? So, um, all right. So uh, several things that we need to bring in. <laughs> <laughs> several things we need to bring in consideration here. Yes. Um, when you said we are going to study Talmud. Wow, that awakes on us such a powerful desire to learn more. So I spent some time this morning going backwards in the Gemara to learn more about the story of Rabbi Yohanan. And you're probably familiar with this because you are all scholars, that it says that Rabbi Yohanan was very much interested in women, in women, and he would dressed up nicely and he would go to the door of the mikveh waiting for women to come out to do some stuff and to pro, pro, you know maybe to give them kids and stuff like that to continue the generations and inspire them so clearly and then they spend a lot of time talking about the beauty of rabbi yohanan actually you know i invite you to go back and they talk about specifically rabbis debating about his beauty that he didn't have a beard anyways so um your point. My point is that your original question in the teaser uh, could be that they had a great relationship, but in that case, makes Rabbi Yohanan bisexual, not gay. Okay. Or it makes him trying to pass in a world that did not accept homosexual relationships, and so he had to publicly advertise, like he had to he had to broadcast his interest in women as a as a cover for right. his true desires. And, and there's also something I think really wait, interesting. Wait, wait, where do you read this? So I read this in the sense that, it, you know, we all know people or know stories of people who grew up in previous generations where it wasn't socially acceptable to be gay. Um, and so often they would end up getting married and have, uh, you know, great marriages or, or not so great marriages where they put up a public face that I am... I have a, a gender identity. I have a, a sexual orientation that is different from my own. I have a I have a show that I put on for the world, and that enables me to to pass, to get by in the world, to keep my job, to keep my home. Right back when mm. being gay meant that you could legally be discriminated against, meant that you could legally be evicted. Um, no, I, I get it, but I don't see it in this story. I'll, oh, why just not? hold on. You will. So, okay. so I think I think, uh, keep going, I, I think there's also right. If if that's his game, and if his his goal is to pass in a world where being a rabbi means you have to be in a relationship with a woman, that you have to be procreating, that it's a mitzvah to, to have children, there's no other way to do that. Um, there's also something really interesting about where we find him, because we find him naked in water, like he's swimming in the river, which is just a weird place to find a rabbi. Like, and he's he's not just like 
it's not that he's there for a ritual purpose. He just, he's like going on a swim. He's chilling. He's, he's open to this. Um, and what was then, he doing there, Lisa? Rabbi Yochan, before Rish Lakish came into the picture, what, what's he doing swimming nude in a water, in a, in a river? So I think being in the river Jordan is particularly significant because he is, he is sort of, so to speak, crossing boundaries. He is, he mm. is hmm. sort of able mm. to go between worlds. And he is in that in-between space. And I think, Elias, that your comment about him being potentially bi or like him maybe having a gender identity that doesn't fit neatly on one side or the other. Mm. And so he's in this in-between space and he sees Raish Lakish. And, and, and there's also this thing about Raish Lakish. Dan, I really loved what you pointed out about him and that he is a highwayman. He's strong. He's buff. He's macho. Right? Like, he's like the, the hero where you hear like the Western music roll in and he comes in with his guns and he's like, hey, guys, I'm here. Um, nice deep voice. Thank you. <laughs> um, so he comes in and he's also got his own, like, like maybe Reish Lakish is passing in his own way by being a highwayman. Maybe he passes in the world by, by his vocation. And there's something about the two of them coming together and meeting and, and sort of calling each other's bluff. In this liminal space. In this liminal space. Can I say wow. something that is very important here, yeah. at least to me? Uh, you may be surprised to hear that I didn't grow up here in America <laughs> because of my perfect accent. And we talk about that so many times. But speaking about cultures and yeah. speaking about how our upbringing and the ways we are shaped by culture relates in how we see a story. Where I come from and in many European countries, it's so common for men to give each other compliments and to oh. say to each other, Oh, you're so handsome. You know, it's so common, and that doesn't mean that that will describe your sexual orientation. Okay. okay. Um, I want to hear Michelle's voice. Yeah. Michelle. So there's so much that I've been taking in here because, A, I don't understand your vested interest in trying to say that the idea of bisexuality is not a possibility. Like, why not? A, right? Um, I think that. Yeah. So, A. B, um, I, I don't know that that's the most interesting thing about this story. Like, I, I actually think I get why for modern people, this is just a revolutionary story. And it has right. it's so meaningful, especially for gay men, for lesbians. Um, I would argue for bisexuals as well. Like, this is a story where they can see themselves. And so it's a modern move to be able to say, look here, Torah represents you too. You can right. find yourself here. And, and that's beautiful. And I don't want to undermine that move. And yet, I don't think it's the most interesting thing about this story. I think it's I, I, this story. What is the most interesting thing? So just to picking up on what Elias was saying, I think this story is about a, a male friendship. Like there, there are some ways, so I'm raising two boys. And there are some ways in which the idea of sensitivity, of of like noticing about somebody else something that might feel a little like scary or or, or sec it would have sexual connotations so you can't say it the idea that you know they should be loved and hugged and 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 treated in a sensitive manner and should be able to have friends that they deeply deeply love is so it, it's so not supported by our American culture in such a way that you say like, here's, here's this profound male friendship 
and and our instinct is to say, oh no, that that has to be a gay relationship. Well, but Michelle, 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 Michelle. I'm all in favor of friendship and male friendships, etc. But I, but since you're a rabbi and we want to actually read the text, when the text goes out of its way to say that Rachel Lakish wanted to return to retrieve his clothes but was unable to muster the strength to do so. Yeah, and, and then I afterwards see, he learned. And, and I see all so the I'm innuendo. I see all there. the innuendo there, well, of course. But, although but, I do but have to say, that's not a small point. That's like yeah. other than that, Mrs. Lincoln. How did you like the yeah, show? Like uh, that's the, that's a driver. So, so address the driver. But wait a minute. What address if the, the driver? Okay, so I'll address the driver. What if this is, as in classic rabbinic thought, a tshuva moment? Like the sense that, oh my God, I've been living my life wrong. I've come across somebody who perhaps at first I was jumping into the water because like, oh, I thought it was a beautiful woman. I'm going to jump in there. Or perhaps not, whatever. But whatever the carnal instinct that Rachel Lakish had that was driving him, no matter which gender it was directed at, right. something about his encounter with Rabbi Yochanan gave him the opportunity and the, and the sense to to look at himself again and maybe he has the wind knocked out of him yes i get the innuendo I, and and by the way for everybody who's listening i i think it's actually a beautiful thing to read this through the eyes of a, a gay or bisexual love story I, I actually think that's an important move that we're doing in the modern world but i don't want to lose the the equally important move that there's something that he encounters in that water that causes him to look at himself in a way that he thinks, oh my God, like, I, I, I'm not a good guy. I haven't been living my life in the right way. And, and I've encountered somebody who's challenged me, who's making me, and I can't go back to get my clothes right. because guess what? Those clothes, Wait, the clothes I, of a brigand, don't fit me anymore. But, but Michelle, Thank Michelle, you, Michelle, Michelle for all, all these beautiful words. Yeah, Thank Michelle, you. Michelle, Michelle, Michelle. Wes, I need to ask you a question yeah, because no, you I, always ask the questions. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to give, I'm going to, I want to, I want to, why isn't that an end? Why isn't it that they were, you know, like, like it was a love at first sight and not only was it physically very satisfying, but it was emotionally and spiritually completely uplifting, and that Rachel Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan like had this encounter, had this moment physically, and had this encounter, had this moment spiritually. I, Why I, isn't it an end? Because I, I think it's it, an end. So I actually do think it is an end, but I think it's an end in two different reads of a story, not an end in that because they're gay, that's why this happened. Perhaps. Right? Yes, our, our tradition is so rich and beautiful and that we can hold multiple interpretations. Right. I don't want to lose the interpretation that this is actually not sexual, but it is spiritual oh. and it is connective and it is about a profound male friendship that can be a role model for not only gay and bisexual um, right. people, but also for any sexuality because but, it's not about sex it's but, about spirituality and friendship no Can I ask it, well, it's about spirituality and friendship and sex that's the comedy and it's an and it's an and what they West, do West. they have a torrid affair off the on, on the shore and then they learn together West. it's both so i think it's I, wait, I, wait 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 no no i was first text, I, I, was I just want to say one thing I, I never do this i just want to say um you're pulling I, at me i am yeah. i am uh what I hear you saying, Michelle, is that the text is very clear to be ambiguous. It's very clear not to explicitly, and we have words and we have ways in which our rabbinic texts especially mention sex explicitly without mentioning it explicitly, like, like came to each other or knew each other or saw each other, and the text is very careful not to say any of that. And so I, what I hear you saying is that you want to preserve the ambiguity because within that ambiguity grows more meaning. 
and I, I can join with you in that. Like I, I'm not invested necessarily them being bi or not being bi or being, I, I just, I see both of those possibilities. Elias. Wes, the question is for you. I'm going to corner you here. Please. So, now, now the question is the following. Uh, the thing is the following. So, um, do you believe that in the fourth or the fifth or the sixth century, whatever this was written, yeah. that the sages or the rabbis who wrote this story and decided to purposely include it in the Talmud, was it because they want to make a reference of, of um, a gay relationship? Yeah, so we have to talk about that. Like, what, what's this doing in the Talmud is a very important question, Elias. I mean, I taught this to sisterhood uh, on Tuesday morning. What's your take on this? Oh, I think that um, I think it, they knew exactly what they were doing, um, and they included it because of, of, of the obvious gay resonance. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to see. So the answer is yes, and I'll come to that at the end. What, let, let me just frame the next piece of this, right? Um, the next piece is a, a story about... When do different things contract ritual impurity? When do they become ritually impure? And you will note that all these things have something in common. So Lord Dan Nesson, would you read this? The narrative continues. One day, many years later. If you'll read that. Hey, Dan, in your, you got to use the microphone. There we go. <laughs> loud yes. in the microphone, Dan. Okay. The narrative continues. One day, many years later, they were disputing the following point in the study hall. The Mishnah states, the sword and the knife and the hunting spear and the military spear and the hand sickle and the harvesting sickle, from what point are they capable of becoming Tamei? It is from the time of the completion. Uh, is it, uh, it is from the time of the completion of their production. And when is the completion of their production? Rabbi Yochanan says, from when the metal utensils are tempered in a furnace. Uh, Rabbi Lakish says, from when they are polished with water. Okay, let's just pause here, okay? Now, I've been marinating on this, you know, for a long time. And I just had kind of a breakthrough insight. But what's, the, what, what's obvious about all the items that they ask about? Well, they're, they're obviously... Phallic. They're all phallic. Mm. They're all phallic, right? So the question is, when do all of these phallic symbols become impure, right? When do all these phallic symbols become impure? And then wow, we, Rob, I got a little choice. My God, no, 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 but, to you. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then the question is, so Rabbi Yochanan says when they're hot, and Reish Lakish says when they're cold. Right, Rabbi Yochanan. Is that when do all of these? Is when, it hot or cold, or is it fire and water? Well, are we having this conversation? Yeah, no, yeah, we are. We are. When do all we'll these phallic symbols? <laughs> when when are all these phallic symbols tame? When are they to use the language? When are they impure? And Rabbi Yochanan says it's when they're hot. I think which means when you use them. That is to say, I feel kind of guilty about our. You know, you're married to my sister. You're married to my sister. Right, and we find out they have kids. You're married to my sister, right? And when are when is uh, forbidden relations uh, actionable? When is it tame? When we're hot? When we use it, right? When it's hot? And Rachel Lakish says, no, no, no. When they're cold, that is to say, I think Rachel Lakish is saying um, it's not the actual use in relations; it's just feeling it at all. And I think what? that is the the conversation they are having about the tuma of these. Uh, phallic symbols. I think there's also there's something about the way in which uh, swords and knives and 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 things are are smith that that when after they're finished being shaped they get heated up 
And it's one is a question like if, if it's in fire, that's actually the process of strengthening the metal and sharpening the metal and making the metal form. And the water is after it's already been formed as it's being cooled down and uh, but but it's it's polishing. It's it's the water of, of after it's been formed, it's being in the world. And so I think there's also something like, is it can you become tame as you are being formed, as your as your person, as yourself, as you are coming into the world or are you are you do you become to me like after you're already in the world as you're as you're sort of softening in the world so okay and michelle what do you think is underlying this you know there's the conversation on the surface about the ritual status of a bunch of instruments what's going on underneath the surface from your point of view what is this about um Anyone? Anyone? What do you, Dan? What do you think it's about? Yeah, um, I don't want to talk about this. Okay. Okay. Um, so I would, I would just, I would say that they're having an an, an argument, um, but you know, it, it it's, it's it's couched as a public argument about about you know about about ritual stuff, but um, about you know about the uh, the re, about their relationship, you know, um, right. when it's when it's going to be. And I was just thinking about like the the hot and the cold. So when it's still when when the items are hot, they're still malleable. And when it's only when it's cooled down that it becomes, you know, um, becomes usable, right? So that because in other words, while while it's still being made, it's coming out of the furnace, it, it can still be changed. Right. So I think they're talking about changeable relationship. Yeah. The changeable relationship is going on here, and of course the the idea, you know, we were talking about before um, about uh, you know about maybe Rabbi Yochanan being gay. When when you were talking about, you know, I, I read those those same texts, and I was looking. Uh, he seems like he was physically effeminate, you know. So it was you know uh, um, so the, they may have had something to do with that. If he so, was always thought it was yeah. beautiful, and the other thing I was like, Elise, I want to talk about what you were saying before about you know people hiding uh, uh, hiding in plain sight. I I, I always think about. Um, the person that I grew up with, um, you know, is Bruce Jenner, right? Who then is like so, totally different, you know. So I'm just thinking about the idea that that um, that we become different people um, in, in this relation. Uh, the idea of relationships, we become different people mm. um, when uh, or become allow allow ourselves to become the people that we are um, in different ways. Sometimes it's in the moment of the heat of passion. And sometimes it's in the moment of uh, the relationship has cooled down, and now we can see it for what it is. So, so I think you have yeah. two different. And we're also not formed by ourselves; we're formed by the instruments or like the context that we're in. So Dan, I want to just I want. Can you finish reading this this piece of the story because it goes from this discussion, whatever at whatever level, if you want to read it as a technical, dry halakhic discussion about tuma or something mm -hmm. deeper, but then it goes personal and it goes downhill. So if you'll pick it up, Dan, with your microphone. Rabbi Yochanan yeah. said to Resh Lakish, a thief. Rabbi Yochanan said to Resh Lakish, a thief knows the tools of his thievery. Resh Lakish replied to him, and how have you benefited me? There among the thieves they called me Rabbi. I was their leader, and here they call me Rabbi. Rabbi Yochanan said to him, I benefited you uh, in that I brought you under the wings of the divine presence. Okay, so, um, and we're going to see in, in the end that this conversation had, had a, has a profound impact on and both Rish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan, but this this is a breaking moment. Something about this conversation breaks the heart, actually, of both of them. What is it that breaks the heart of both of them, and why does it go so downhill so fast? So I mean, clearly here, the, 
Lakish feels offended by the words of, of Rabbi Yohanan. I think he was very mean to say that to him. You know, the guy is already not a thief. He's be he became a scholar. He's married to his sister. They have uh, kids. And the, the, the guy is pulling a joke, like, crosses the line completely. Oh, you were a thief. So right. you are and an why expert. why does he do that? Why does Rabbi Yohanan do that? Why go cruel? Do you want me to follow your line of thought or my no, line of thought? No, no, I'm just asking. If I follow your line of thought, he could be jealous that he's married to his sister and he feels sexual attraction to him and he wants to be with him. So the, this anger makes him do that. Uh, or the other way of looking at this is that the guy, you know, it's a little jealous of what the other guy became. And he's jealous about how smart and intelligent and all that is that. So he's throwing a stone to him. Right. So, mm. I, so I want to just go back to the close. And I, I really, um, I, I want to affirm both your read and an alternative read, which is a, a traditional read. So the in the traditional read, if you look at the clothing as he can't, retrieve his clothes because the clothes of the robber, the clothes of the thief no longer fit him. That is Chuvag Morat. Like that is full Chuva. That is that is a conversion, as it were. And we're taught that we're not allowed to remind converts of who they were before. And Rach Lakish is a convert. Like he has made for himself a life that is beautiful and filled with Torah and filled with learning. And yet the person who's closest to him can't see him fully, like can only see what he was and not what he is. And I think that can be part of the rupture in the ways in which we sometimes we hold on to images of the people that we love and that we know um, or even that we're just in our orbit of you will always be that bully from high school. You will always be that person who hurt me in the fight that we had 20 years ago. And and I can't let go of that. And and that there's some sense in which Rachel Lachish says, like, if you if you're still calling me a thief now, you will you will never truly get me. Our our friendship is irreparably our friendship, our love, whatever the sexual, mm. whatever's going on here in terms of the bedroom, in the in the heart. There's some deep rupture in being being not seen mm. for who he has truly become. So Michelle, will you pick up with the story on the next page? Rabbi Yochanan became disheartened because of Rachel Lakisha's response. Rabbi Yochanan became disheartened because of Reish Lakish's response. Reish Lakish became seriously ill. Rabbi Yochanan's sister, who was Reish Lakish's wife, came before Rabbi Yochanan. She cried and pleaded with him to pray for Reish Lakish's recovery. She said, act for the sake of my children. Prevent their father from dying. Rabbi Yochanan replied to her with this verse, leave your orphans, I will sustain them. She said, act for the sake of my impending widowhood. He said to her, and let your widows trust in me. Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish passed away. But Rabbi Yochanan grieved after him considerably. Okay, we'll pause right there. Okay, so after this rupture, the, you know, the, the thief knows the tools of a thievery. Um, they both kind of crater. And Reish Lakish becomes very ill. And Rabbi Yochanan becomes very sad that Reish Lakish is very ill. And then what happens is really opaque and enigmatic. So first, 
Reish Lakish's wife, Rabbi Yochanan's sister, asks Rabbi Yochanan to pray for her husband. Um, and, and obviously the question is, why doesn't she pray to God herself? Right? We know we're, we're, we're not Catholic, and we're not Hasid, Hasidim, that the Rebbe has some special power, or the Pope has some special power. Judaism teaches we all have equal access to God. Why doesn't she just say, God, heal my husband? Uh, why does she have to go through her brother? Um, and second, why is Rabbi Yochanan such a grade-A jerk? Such a grade-A jerk that her husband is dying. I'm worried that my kids aren't going to have a father. And he quotes some pasuk about God takes care of orphans. And I'm actually worried that I'm going to be a widow. And Rabbi Yochanan is a grade-A jerk and quotes some verse about uh, God will take care of widows too. That's just horrible. What a hateful, hateful, horrible. This is definitely Rabbi Yochanan's worst moment as a human, to do that to his sister. Uh, so why can't she pray herself? And why is he such a jerk? So I, I think she can pray herself. But I think that she recognizes that her husband's illness um, is partially due to, to Rabbi Yochanan's behavior and, 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 and the breach that they've had. And, though, and what she's saying is, um, if you step up and pray for him, then he will feel better because he knows that, the, that on some level the breach is not complete. Dad, in that read, when she says to, by the way, no, she doesn't have a name, by the way, right? When, when Mrs. Lakish says, pray for my husband, um, does she mean, you know, Shachris Munchamarev in the Gantt Chapel, or does she mean something else? No, I, I think she means something else. I think she means that he should, that she's inviting, inviting him to come to Resh Lakish and say, you know, um, I apologize. I did wrong. This whole thing is wrong. And, you know, and I'm going to, and, and that we have to, we need, we need to, I, I can fix this by being there for you. I think that's, I think that's, that's kind of the, the gesture that's being made. Or being asked for. Or and being then, asked for, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then with that interpretation, why is Rabbi Yochanan say no in such a horrible way? That I'm not sure about. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you that he's just acting like a jerk. I, maybe he's just still so jealous of, of the fact that, that or maybe maybe he maybe he can't forgive himself for what he's done, and so therefore retreats into a place where he has to push everybody away: his sister, right. his his friend, uh, it, the uh, rest of society. Really, yeah. No, I I agree with you in the first thing that you said. Uh, I think that what she's saying here is: you caused this. Go and fix it. Pray. At least the only thing you can do now is pray for him because you caused this. And you brought up his past, and you, you know, you offended him. And and the fact that he can't or won't or doesn't. I um, mean, one one more thing I want to add yeah. that we seen we've seen in life how many times you know ourselves or relatives or friends get into fights with loved ones, and they they escalate it and escalate it and escalate it. Instead of bringing them closer, they separate more and more and strained siblings or strained, you know, father and son or how many times we, we've seen that and then it becomes a matter of pride, you know, I'm, I'm not the one who did anything wrong right. here so, it, obviously Rabbi Yohanan it's also upset with the situation and also one thing to add is that, you know if we take in consideration what happened before that everybody was talking about his beauty and how beautiful he was and everything the, the guy could be a little bit full of himself 
like saying, I'm right. so good, I'm very handsome, and I'm a scholar, no. and I made you. It's... Now you you get upset because of a joke? You come and apologize to me. So, okay, so here's my question. Um, what's at the heart of the heart of this? What's at the heart of the heart of this? Well, so since everybody's thinking, uh, I think that uh, it talks about the intensity of a relationship, both good and bad, the love and the hate. So I, I think I'm sort of stuck with this hate. I'm not sure that I see the hate. I, I think I see brokenness on both sides, and I think that I see, you know, if, if we're going with the read that, Rachel Akish and Rabbi Yochanan were in love and were, you know, in a in a different time, in a different place, would have gotten, would have been together and would have lived together and would have loved together and would have deepened their friendship and relationship and love. But instead of being able to do that in public and instead of being able to be their full selves, they had to hide and uh, Rabbi Yochanan had to use his sister in order to gain access to Rachel Akish and to set up a, a paradigm in which he had a reason to visit a lot and a reason to be in their, in the midst a lot. Um, if we're reading into that paradigm, then it's just awful. And Rabbi Yochanan is watching his beloved die and he can't do anything and he can't be real and he can't be honest and he can't uh, mourn in the way that he would want to mourn and he can't be in public spaces doing the public rituals. And so he is just beside himself in despair. And so his sister comes and says, it's all about me. It's my relationship. I'm losing my husband and my children are losing their father. And how could you just stand by it? He can't even say to her the truth about himself, which is that I'm losing my beloved. Like I fell in love with this person. I found him and I, we had this amazing relationship and we saw each other and we sharpened each other and we, we brought each other a deep Torah and I can't mourn and I can't be by him and I can't sit by him and I can't tell anybody how I'm feeling. And you want me to pray for you? Pray for yourself. Like God's gonna, God has verses for you. God has a paradigm for you. Tradition has a paradigm for you. You can be real, and I can't. And and that just feels so heartbreaking that he's mm. he's losing, and he can't be honest about it. And and his sister, who theoretically should get him and should see him and should know what he's going through, doesn't see him at all. And so it's, he's he is stuck. Can I just thank you for that? Because you, with those comments, really changed. I always hated Rabbi Yochanan in this moment, and I always thought he was a grade-A jerk. And instead, what your words made me realize is he's got a grade-A broken heart, that he is shattered, not just because he's losing the love of his life, but he, he realized he never their relationship could never live and breathe. And now that Rachel Akish is dying, he can't even mourn him properly. Um, and so he is just, he's not a jerk. He is utterly distraught and utterly forlorn. And there's no, there's no shiva. There's no minion. There's no structure. There's no coming for Kabbalah Shabbat at the end of the Chododi and will, and will honor and uplift your sadness. There's no, it can't be seen. It didn't happen. It can't be seen. It can't be seen. It can't be seen. It can't be seen. It wasn't real. It wasn't real. It wasn't real. And it was really real. And that's what makes him act out in this way. Can I, I say something? Can I say something? Yeah. I think that the two of you made a beautiful Hollywood story. I don't see that here. I stand by by my my <laughs> my view of this. 
It's not about being hidden. It's not about being anything. It's about being what I said before. So I don't believe that there is something that the, he's no, so sad that he cannot develop. Actually, historians can tell me if I'm wrong about this or not. Right. But in some centuries during the Middle Ages, it was common to be homosexual. Okay. And he was not punished. Okay, so last so this idea that he was in the you know, right the closet, so, hidden, the whole thing. I I don't. I okay, don't, so last, I'm going to ask you to read the last part of the story. No, I uh, we don't. No, no, we don't need historians <laughs> and you know what happens in some odd century. Let's just look on the page. Where are what we? happens? So, um, so Rabbi Yochanan Grieve, we're on the first column of 84A3, about six lines up from the bottom after. Rish Lakish dies, Rabbi Yochanan grieved after him considerably. If you'll just finish the story. That's Zambrula Donai, six lines up from the bottom of the page on Friday nights, right? <laughs> but Rabbi so, Yochanan, Yochanan, grieved. Yochanan grieved him after considerably. Um, the rabbi said, who shall go to bring comfort to, this, to his mind? Rabbi Eleazar ben Pedas should go, for his scholarship is brilliant. Um, rabbi Eleazar ben Pedas went and sat before him. To everything Rabbi Yohanan would say, Rabbi Eleazar ben Pedas told him, We learned a barasia that supports you. Eventually said to him, You are supposed to be like Bar Lakisha. Reish Lakish, Bar Lakisha. With Bar Lakisha, whenever I would say something, he would pose 24 difficulties to me, and I would give him 24 solutions. And as a result of the give and take, the subject became clear. However, you constantly say, we learned the barasya that supports you. Of what use is this? Do not I already know that I have said well? Rabbi Yohanan would go about and tear his clothes and would cry and say, where are you, Barlakisha? Where are you, Barlakisha? And he would scream until his sanity wore away from him. The rabbis prayed for mercy on him, and Rabbi Yohanan passed away. So, Elias, I, I take you very seriously. I really do take you very seriously. And your read is that, that Elise and I are, are penning a Hollywood story, and all this deep emotion is, is, is our construct that we're putting on it. Um, so I, I wanted to challenge you and push back. I mean, what do you think is happening here? Uh... I don't know. Can, can I Michelle, jump in? you, you okay, pull I'll, my I'll voice because you and I are on the same no, page. I, I'll jump in for a second because I, I really do very strongly want to maintain both reads. Like we came into this class with a read that was desperately needed for generations, right? To affirm to people who are in non-heterosexual relationships that you can be seen is a modern move with this text that is so critically important to see. So I, I want to affirm that. But because we started there, we we didn't give voice, or hopefully we've started to give voice to the, the other um, long-held understanding of this text, which is equally important. And I don't want for either of them to get lost. So Elias, to, to try to jump in on what might be here that's not about sexuality um, and, and, and is rather about relationship, Rabbi Yochanan didn't, he, 
in his in his ego and his pride in his you know sense of of righteousness what you know you were a robber like i didn't i didn't say anything wrong i didn't have an issue and he held on to his pride in his anger and so therefore when Rach Lakish passes he realizes that he actually um he, he we put it uh Joni Mitchell put it beautifully, right? Don't don't it always seem to go you don't know what you've got till it's gone. And and he doesn't know he didn't get what a power like Rachel Lakish was a pain in his butt. 24 answers to every single time. That that actually was something that perhaps he didn't know how to treasure and how to and how to affirm. And now that he has a bunch of yes men around him, he realizes that he can't be the person that he could have been with somebody oh. who was strong enough to challenge him. Okay, so Michelle, I love you so much and I respect you so much, but I, I don't get I don't get what's going on here. I don't get what's going on here. Just How about level, guilt? At the shot. Yeah. Can, can I just guilt. say something? Hold on a second. The shot that we have to confront to, to unlock this story is that Rabbi Yochanan is so heartbroken about Rish Lakisha's death and how it came about and the end of their ruptured relationship, that Rabbi Yochanan dies of heartbreak. And he and and the again, the shot is he tears his clothes. That's 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 rending, that's mourning, that's Avelus. And have you and never loved and someone non-sexually that you would mourn and cry and weep? Like, does it have to? I love the view about sex. I think it's important. I think it's critical. But are you are you denying the idea that we could have close friendships that are so deep and so critical and so important that we would mourn them in a way that we would lose our sanity? Um, I, the level of despair that is occasioned to Rabbi Yochanan by Rachel Lakisha's death feels like it just comes from a deep purple complex whirly swirly place that's different than he was a great colleague of mine there's there's loss when there's like in 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 the Gan chapel there are all these rabbinical assembly proceedings where rabbis die i mean we have them up there like five feet from here where rabbis die and where younger rabbis say you know like i did with rabbi chill you know rabbi chill was my mentor rabbi chill was my teacher rabbi chill was my hero okay um but i don't and all that's true i could never be who i am without rabbi chill but when Rabbi Chill died, and I missed him, we missed him, we all missed him, we have a sanctuary name for him, right? I didn't tear my clothes and die of heartbreak. I thought to myself, how do I take Rabbi Chill's teachings and live them out in the next generation, right? Um, I didn't say, if Rabbi Chill's dead, I can't be alive. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go crazy. Um, this is not that. And, and, and we have a thousand examples in the Gan Chapel of rabbis who lose rabbis of students who lose teachers, of disciples who lose mentors, and they mourn and they say they're amazing and they're wonderful and I will always hold them and I will love them, but they don't rend and ah and die. They don't do that. Why can't there's they something, both, both. Let me just finish my thought. There's something else going on here. So Michelle, do you not see that? Oh, I, wait, wait, I, I absolutely, wait, 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 the read of this story is too gay or bisexual men who who can't have the relationship they want and that we read it that way, right? And and I think it's also important because the Talmud and the Torah speak to 
everyone that we not make the same mistake that our ancestors made when they say, said that this is only a heterosexual story, right. that we say that this is only a homosexual story. Because I want all of our children, regardless of their sexual orientation, to learn that you can have friendships, that you can have relationships that are so deep and so profound that you are responsible for each other's souls. Wes, can all I of say our something? children. Yeah. Could it be both? Could so, it be both things that he misses him because he really loved him in whatever way he loved him, gay or heterosexual, and he really misses him as a scholar at the same time? Can it be both? Could are, are I, we open to have? I mean that in the discussion. It, so that's that's a really good question. Lies is, is the shot is the is this story in its own context? Is it only a gay love story? Is it only a heterosexual mentor-disciple story, or is the shot that it could be both? Um, and obviously, we have a multiplicity of views. From my point of view, from my point of view, and, and there's no one right answer. From my point of view, the, the shot is this is only a gay love story. Can it's I only say? A gay love story I, because, I wanna, and, and my answer, yeah. for, and really, if you ask me, I'll tell you the answer: is you've got all this stuff wrapped in. You've got the sister who's the wife. You've got they clearly have this connection that is spiritual and, and emotional and Torah-based and also physical. Uh, all the stuff about phallic symbols and when do they become Tameh and the guilt that they have, that's not by accident. That's not by accident that of all the Mishnayot, they talk about phallic symbols and when they become Tameh. And you can't, I, I've loved mentors and I've lost mentors and I didn't tear my clothes and die. Can There's I, say, something else can I give you an here. example? All right, so everybody, uh, I want to tell a story. So I, I um, when I was in my uh, late teens, I, I started working in a German-Jewish synagogue in Buenos Aires. And at the time, I met a, a friend of mine who became a friend of mine who was the organist, you know, the accompanist of the... Uh, the and immediately, same age, we almost, you know, this has been 30 years, we grew up together, and we have, first of all, we have a fantastic relationship, we are very close and very tight. We are very spiritually connected because we both love life in synagogue and we work in synagogue, very deeply connected. During this past summer, he was sick with coronavirus and he was six weeks in the hospital. Six weeks in the hospital. I couldn't sleep at night of the thought of losing my dear friend. That's deep love that I feel for him. And I will be completely heartbroken if something happens to him. Mm. And that doesn't make us gay. Well said. Um, let me ask you this question to close, because we're out of time. Um, what is the point of this story, and why did the rabbis include it in the Talmud? Let's just do a quick wraparound. Elisa, and then we'll go around. I think that a point of the story is the importance of speaking one's truth and sharing one's heart and doing so in a time when you can. Uh, I think that, you know, Alice and I like opera very much. I see this as an opera, fabulous, very dramatic, you know, with, with the people dying at the end. It's fantastic, or well, Puccini one. Um, I think that, um, regardless of the relationship between the two of them, you know, sexual relationship, and I see your both of you, your points about being a gay relationship, and I'm, I'm completely fine with that. 
I think that to me the point of the story is about how close love and hate could be, mm. how close it could be, and what a relationship that you know the the love and when when the other one doesn't doesn't respond with the love or in the same way that we think about it, how much passion in a wrong way mm. that could develop. Yeah, I, I I just see this as a love story that Torah is about love and relationship. Uh and then and uh when the relationship is broken it breaks Torah as well. Mm. Beautiful, Dan. Florida. Beautiful. Um uh, well, in honor of Rachel Lakish and his 24 solutions, <laughs> I'll give three. <laughs> I'll give three. Um, I, I think I think the first really is about accepting each other, working past holding somebody in a particular moment in a particular time in a particular way and being able to see them as they wish to be seen. That's the first. Um, the second, I think, is about trying to um, not get stuck in our heart in places of anger and in places of righteous indignation, but uh, needing to to work past that that moment and not make the mistake that Rabbi Yochanan made. And the third, and I think probably most important is the um, is the capacity to appreciate those who fill our lives with deep and meaningful relationships while they're here. And while we can say to them, like, thank you for bringing me 24 solutions, mm. it, it's such a blessing to share this relationship in this world with you. Mm. So um, in the spirit of Elazar Ben Pedas, who just said you spoke very well, I, uh, <laughs> I want to say you all spoke very well. You know, you spoke well. Um, I want to come back to my orienting frame, though, which is from Michael Goodman, about the way in which the unspoken, the unsaid, there's so much is happening below the surface. There's like the surface and below the surface. Like they're in the water, but why are they in the water? He can't get his clothes. Why can't he get his clothes? They're talking about, you know, different instruments and when they contract Tuma, why don't they contract Tuma? The sister says, pray for him. Well, why don't you pray for him? All this stuff that's below the surface. And um, here's my read. And all of what you said is true. Here's my main takeaway. And, and to, to ground it in month 13 of the pandemic, this story is about heartbreak to me. Because in the end, the three protagonists are all heartbroken. Rachel Lakish dies of heartbreak. Rabbi Yochanan dies of heartbreak. And Mrs. Rachel Lakish loses her husband and loses her brother at the same time, right? So dead rabbi, dead rabbi, and a, and a widowed wife, and a sister without a brother, okay? And that's the end. And we, one could read it as an opera and a lot of intensity. To me, the message that this has is um, when we're living in a world of heartbreak. I mean, everybody's got heartbreak. Everybody's got heartache and everybody's got heartbreak. And to me, what this story says is go to the heart of the heartbreak. Go to the heart. What's at the heart of the heartbreak and deal with what's at the heart of the heartbreak. It feels to me like what doesn't happen in this story is they can never get to the heart of the heartbreak. There's so much going on that's unsaid. They never can get to the heart of the heartbreak. And I think if there's any message here is if you don't deal with the heart of the heartbreak, your hearts will really be broken. And if there's any hope to save your broken heart, it's deal with what's at the heart of your heart. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Thank you. <laughs>